0: Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Well, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord. It is so good to be gathered with God's people today in the presence of God. Uh, it 's Psalm sixteen that says, in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy and i don 't know who needs joy today <clears throat> in the midst of such a crazy culture. I think we all could use a little bit of joy, but i 'm grateful that in god 's presence, wherever you are, whether whether you are at home or you are in the subway or you are in the car, if you 're just walking in the cold streets of New York or wherever you are, you can experience the presence of God and immediately experience joy and i 'm convinced that somebody logged on today and you are battling depression and somebody else logged on and you are full of anxiety and You were ready to give up but hang in there today is a good day to experience the presence of God through worship and through The preaching of the Word of God and speaking to the preaching of the Word of God. That is my responsibility today So grab your Bibles and get to Romans chapter 12 man, listen, i'm really excited today because we are finishing up uh, chapter 12, uh, and and anytime you get to finish a, a a chapter, it's almost like you know we're trying to get a degree and we're working towards that degree, and then you know you finish a semester, you didn't get the degree yet, but you you know what you're just one step closer, and so finishing up a chapter is sepa- de- definitely a moment for us to uh, to celebrate. We've been going through this book of Romans through this journey since uh, the top of last year, 2019. And uh, we, we set out to uh, make sure that we went through every, every verse, every, every chapter, the way uh, Psalms say it is line by line, verse by verse, and line by line. And so we try to go through all of what the Word of God has to say. Uh, there's a lot in the passage today. In fact, I was going to title the passage too much because it was so much in this chapter, but uh, we'll, we'll, I'll do my best to try to boil it down and pull out three of the, uh, the, the most important points. All right, let's jump right in. I hope y'all good, man. It's good to uh, it's good to be with y'all again I don't take for granted the opportunity to be able to stand before you and preach Uh, I I really do take this serious and i'm glad you're hanging out today All right, verse 9 Verse 9 romans 12. It says this let love be underline this word genuine abhor what is evil hold fast to what is good love one another with a brotherly affection outdo one another with showing honor i wonder how many of us are holding holding that verse up high do not be slothful in zeal be fervent in spirit serve the lord rejoice in hope be patient in tribulation be consistent in prayer contribute to the needs of the saints seek to show hospitality verse 14 Bless those who persecute you and bless them and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I found that verse 15. I'll keep going in a second, but I found that verse 15 with people that I don't like. It is, it is not rejoicing with rejoicing. It's actually the opposite for me. I don't know if you'll be honest, but those who I don't like, I'll rejoice when they're weeping and I weep when they rejoice. I don't know if that's consistent with how you, how you rock. Lord, help our hearts. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on your head. Paul just quoted uh, Proverbs chapter 25 right there. Last verse, do not be overcome by evil, evil, but overcome evil with good. I want to preach today from uh, the topic, uh, active, not passive, In other words, the Christian life should be active, not passive. Let's look to the Lord before we uh, dig in this chapter. Our father, this morning, we logged on, jumped on our YouTube and jumped on our Facebook to be really two things, encouraged and challenged by your word. And Father, we, we actually need both for our spiritual maturity. We, we need both in order to grow. There are times where we need to be encouraged, and there are times where we need to be challenged. And I pray that today both would coexist, that you would encourage our hearts, but you would challenge us where we are not living up to your word. You are very explicit in your word today. You give us very clear imperatives, very very clear direction of how the Christian life should look. And so, Father, may we do our best to apply your word, not simply here today. It's in Christ's name we give all glory. Amen. Active, not passive. In 2012, I graduated from, uh, from Philadelphia Biblical University. It's now known as Karen University. Graduated with my degree in Bible with a concentration on discipleship counseling, And when I was getting the classes I typically liked were the classes where the professor made it clear. Here are the directions on how to get an A in this class. Most of them will pull up a syllabus. Those of you who are in school know what I'm talking about. They will pull up a syllabus and they would just simply say, if you follow the syllabus, if you if you follow my directions, you'll get an A. In essence, I think that's what Paul is doing in Romans chapter 12. I think Paul is really laying out for us the syllabus of the Christian life. But I have to be really careful right away because my theological framework is making my insides twitch. I'm not saying that Paul is telling us that we should do these things in verses 9 to verses 21 in order to be a Christian. That, that is not what he is suggesting to us. He, he's actually saying now that you are a Christian, here are the expectations that God has for us. Did you know that the moment that you gave your life to the Lord, God expected that you would be in the game participating? That you, that you would be spiritually growing, that you would be showing the true marks of a Christian. God never saved you with the intent that you would sit on the sideline. God never saved you with the intent that you would be a bench warmer, but God saved you and he wanted you automatically to be a active participant, not a passive participant. And Many times what we do is we say the extent of my relationship with the Lord won't go beyond Sunday. If I can just come to church, then me and God are cool. And God is like, nah, nah, I actually want more from you. But what we do is we say the pastor can be active. I don't have to be active. The leaders can be active. I don't have to be active. The deacons can be active. The ministry leaders, those who serve, let them be active. I can just go to church. But God is calling us today to be more active in our Christian walk. He wants you to be more serious about your faith. He wants you to be more bold about your faith. He wants you to be more brazen and consistent and dedicated. At the end of the day, he wants you to be more active. Would you just type in the chat room, God wants me to be more active in my faith. He wants me to be more active in this Christian walk because God does not want us to sit on the sideline. Now, please do be careful because Paul here is not giving us a self-improvement plan. He's not saying these are the things to just improve yourself He's not saying this is just behavioral modification so that God will love you more. He is actually saying look to Jesus because this entire list and that's all it is in verses 9 to verses 21 is just a list. And in the entire list, Jesus has lived up to it. And so in other words, he's saying look to Jesus if you want to grow. Don't simply look at behavioral modification, but let us look to Jesus because Jesus was not slothful in his zeal. Jesus was very clear and showing hospitality. Jesus was consistent in prayer. Jesus outdid us in showing honor so much so that he went to the cross and he died for all of us. And so the more we focus on Jesus, the more we'll line up with what Paul is telling us this morning. Do not simply read this passage and walk away and do nothing with it, but God is actually calling you to be more active in your spiritual walk. In essence, these are the true marks of a real Christian. These are the characteristics of a Christian. Don't get it twisted. These are not qualifications of a Christian. These are not the things you do to be a Christian, but these are the things you do that now that you have professed faith in Jesus. So he says, look, I want you to be more active, but the, the, the first thing I need you to do, watch this, is be loving. First thing I need you to do is it is not a list of things that you have to run around and try to figure out in order to make yourself to patch yourself up to be a good Christian. No, just first start with loving people and the way he says it in verse number nine. I hope you all are rocking with me. Let love, I told you to underline it, be genuine. So interesting to me that he uses this word genuine in English. I don't think the English translation does it well It says, let love be genuine. But this word genuine in the Greek is anupokritos. It literally means hypocrite. In other words, there there are some passages that read, let love be without hypocrisy. In ancient times, a hypocrite was a person, an actor that played a part and he would be on stage or she would be on stage and in order to play two separate parts, they would put on a mask. And that mask that they put on would automatically make them a hypocrite. Back in the day in ancient times, they didn't have makeup like we have, you know, to, 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 to make Tyler Perry be Medea or Eddie Murphy be the clumps, or Martin be big mama, or rest in peace, Robin Williams be doubt, Miss Doubtfire. That's, that's not what they were able to do. In order to change up and be a different person, they would put on a mask and it would be anuprocritos. It would be a hypocrite. This is where we get the very idea of being two-faced, So we get the very idea of being one person when you're in front of somebody and being somebody else when they walk away. And Paul is suggesting that the signs of being a true follower of Jesus Christ is that you love without hypocrisy. That you love in a way that's genuine. That you love in a way that's impactive. That you love in a way that is not selfish. And so one of the signs that we are following Jesus is that we denounce two-facedness. Well, one of the, the first sign that Paul gives us that you are a true Christian is that we are not just friendly with people in their face and then turn around and talk behind their backs. Do you know how many churches are destroyed because of anupokritos? Because we are hypocrites. And so Paul is saying, look, the, the church at Rome, I need you all to love each other, but I need you to love each other without hypocrisy. I need the two faced you to become one. Did did you know that that's the most spiritual thing you could do this week is ask God to make the two of you become one person. The same person I am in front of you is the same person I want to be when I am not away from when I'm not around you, when I'm away from you. And so abiding in Christ means that I am genuinely loving and I'm loving without hypocrisy. And so the fact that Paul says, let love be genuine means that there is a way to love that is not genuine that there is a way to love the very idea if we're honest can can we be a little honest the very idea of love can be very selfish I wrote this in, in one of the uh, beloved blogs. that The very idea of saying I love you is typically tied to the fact that you love me. and So the way you love me, I can just reciprocate it back to you. But it, that, that, that's not the kind of love that Jesus showed us. Jesus loved us when we were unlovable. Jesus loved us when you did not love him back. And so Jesus shows us the way he models for us this idea of really being loving. And so do you love the way Jesus loves? Do you serve the way Jesus serves? Do you love without condition? Do you love in a way that is sacrificial? And In fact, it's it's almost though Paul wanted to make sure that he was touching on all bases of loves and he uses uh, love in uh, two different ways in verse nine and verse 10. In verse nine, he uses the word agape. That is self-sacrificing love. But then in verse 10, he turns around and uses Philadelphia, which is brotherly love. Lord, help us to love people like you love us. Help us, to love, help us to love people the way that we say we love you. Do you realize that if you say you love God, God is often looking around going, you love me by how you love people? Okay, you don't believe me. Do me a favor, real quick, go, go to 1 John I know y'all are probably on your phone, so if you could just do me a favor, click to 1 John or, um, or, or go in your Bible and flip there. If you're looking for it, go to the last book of the Bible, then you'll go back to Jude, then you go to Third, Second John, then you'll find 1 John. Go to 1 John with me real quick. I found something this morning. I shot it over to Ed and asked, Ed, could he pull it up for me? Look at verse 19, 1 John chapter 4. Why, now, watch how God is like. If you really want to say you love me, you'll love my body. You'll love people. You'll love your neighbor. Watch how he says it here in verse 19. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. He says, For he does not love his brother whom he has seen. How can he love God whom he has not seen? Pay attention to verse 21. And this is the commandment that we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Let me, let me say that again and look directly in the camera. Whoever loves God must first love his brother. So you got to understand that when you say, God, I want to love you more. He's like, great. Love your neighbor more. God, I want to love you more. He's like, great. Love Ed more. God, God I want to I love you more. Great. Love Gabe more. And God knows that's hard to do. I want to love you more, God. Love your kids more. Love your wife more. Love your children more. Love love the people that don't love you more. And God is like, that is how you show that you truly love me. This is agape. This is Philadelphia. This is brotherly love. So the first way that he shows us that we are marked as true Christians is is when we go around and genuinely show. Love without hypocrisy. Love that is genuine. Love that is authentic and real. And trust me, man, people in this time and age need genuine love. We, we don't need that fake stuff. Keep that. We need genuine love. And so he says, look, you want to be marked as a Christian. Here it is. If you want to be active and not passive, first you got to do it by loving. Now, watch this. I need you to follow the verbs here. Follow the action here. Verse number 11: "Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit." And by the way, none of these are sex, uh, or, or suggestions. They're all written as imperatives or commands. He says, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be consistent in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, Uh, seek to show hospitality. If you want to understand what Paul is saying, we simply have to follow the verbs in order to understand that Paul is asking us to be extremely active and not passive. If you follow the verbs, you'll understand that Paul is saying that in order to be marked as a Christian, it's more than just going to church. Paul is saying that if you really want to be marked as a Christian, you have to actually be active because you got to understand something. Watching this live stream, it can't be the extent of your relationship with the Lord. Going in the chat room and then just repeating what I've said is not being is not just being a Christian Christian. Going in the chat room and saying hi to somebody that you don't know is, cannot be the extent of your relationship. Paul is like, if you want to be active, here's a list of things you got to do. You got to outdo one another with showing honor. You can't be slothful. You gotta be consistent in prayer. He gives us a bunch of action words here and there is nothing passive about the words that Paul is giving us this morning. They all require us to have action and most of them require us to do so in the presence of a body or community or around people. Too many of us are content with the bare minimum. I know I'm talking to somebody today. There's somebody on right now. You are content with the bare minimum. You are content with just jumping on and then jumping off. You, you are content with being the same at the same spiritual maturity that you were last year at this time. Last year at this time, we were just in the midst of going into a pandemic. We are still at the same maturity level. And I feel like this is a theme that God is giving our church since the inception of 2021. We've been talking about spiritual maturity and spiritual growth. If we want to grow, we got to be way more active than we are. Paul says, here's the syllabus. Here, Here is the syllabus of Christianity. These are the things that I am asking and I am requiring and I am expecting that you will do. God is not looking for passive participants today. He's looking for people that are serious about their zeal and serious about being patient in tribulation. God is like, I'm looking for more of you to grow. And I'm talking to you. I'm talking to the one person that that feels like they are okay with simply hearing the word of God on Sundays. And the question I have for you, are you willing to grow? Are you going to answer this call this morning? Are you going to be way more consistent than you were last year? And I know I, I know many of you want to. In your hearts, you, you desire to grow. You just don't know what it is. How, why is it that I'm not growing? It's probably because you're not lining up with what Paul is asking us to do. And, and today, I'm just a, I'm just a coach. That, that's all I am. I, I'm the person that gets you riled up to get into the game. Because God is tired of us sitting on the bench. And so I want to encourage you this morning to dig deeper Find that person that's inside of you that wants to be an active participant, that wants to be active in their faith, that wants to love more, that wants to be more consistent. Find that person this week. Commit that to prayer. God, help me to be active because I'm tired of being passive. P- commit that to prayer. Commit that to con- be consistent in that. Can you imagine a-, a relationship where one person was active and the other person was passive? Like a marriage? Can you imagine if a wife was actively loving her husband and going hard to show that love, but the husband was lazy and passive? You'd be on divorce court. You'd be in Judge Judge Judy's, not a a divorce lawyer, Judge Judge Lynn Toller. You, you, that's where you'd be because a relationship to thrive requires that I give you the same love and act and activity that you are giving me. And so Paul assumes that if we are if we are serious about our faith, we are serious about being in the game. But it, but he doesn't just say get in the game. Don't don't miss this. He understands that even though you will be working through this list, he understands that there's still going to be conflict in relationships. Remember at the top of this um at top of this chapter, he talked about how we were a body, he, he uses this analogy that, the, that you know we 're hands and feet and we 're made up of many different members. What we didn 't talk about was sometimes the hand doesn 't like the feet. sometimes the right arm doesn 't like the left arm, right arm doesn't like the, I said the right arm that 's my left. The right arm doesn't like the left arm. There are times where there is just conflict in relationship. And so what Paul does is after he says, these are the marks of being a Christian, make sure that you are loving, make sure that you're following the verbs and being way more active. He finally ends by saying, if you really want to have a true mark of being a Christian, you have to understand how you deal with conflict is extremely important. I actually could have did a whole sermon on verse 14 to 21, sake of time i want you guys to go deeper in some research here but watch what he says here this is a relationship that has conflict bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse them rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep live in harmony with one another do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly he says never be wise in your own sight repay no one evil for evil but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If it's if it are possible, live, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. It says beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, watch this, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I needed these verses this week. This week, I watched One Night in Miami and American Skin back-to-back on the same day. Uh, I recommend both movies. I don't recommend back-to-back. It's something not good about it for my sanctification. I wrestled with anger on race issues all week long after watching those two movies. But then I sat in Romans chapter 12 and this helped my heart because I realized God doesn't want me to repay evil for evil. I thank God for these verses. You know, Ty did a devotional for our staff a couple, uh, couple weeks ago. And in the devotional, she, she was talking about loving your enemies and loving those who do you wrong. And I told her flat out, I don't want to hear that today. Because it, you, can we be honest? It feels good to hold a grudge sometimes. Can you just type facts if that's you? Sometimes it feels better to be angry. Sometimes it feels right to get back at the person. But Paul picks up the pen today and says, don't repay evil for evil. In fact, do it the contrary. If your enemy is hungry, give him something to eat. Paul says, Paul. Paul, Paul says, don't adhere to the spirit of retaliation. Y'all know we good at getting people back, if, especially New Yorkers. You get me, I got to get you back. And this, this spirit of retaliation or revenge is only hurting you. It ain't helping you. And, and Paul says, if you want to be marked as a Christian, if you want to be active in your faith, you got to be willing. Listen, not passive, but willing to overlook some things. I'm not talking about that person that's constantly being abused by somebody. That's a relationship you need to exit them out of your life. But I'm talking about those people that God has put into your life. And God is like, look, don't repay him evil for evil. In fact, Jesus picks up the pen and says the same thing in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says, you've heard that it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, it says, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, give them the other cheek also. Let's be honest. We hate that verse. Let's be honest. We, we, that seems real passive. That seems real weak. But can I promise you there's nothing weak about it? There's nothing weak about what Paul is saying? In fact, you know how I know it's nothing weak about it? Because verse 19 actually says, leave it to the wrath of God. The reason I don't got to repay evil for evil is because I put you in God's hands. If you don't get yourself right, I'll let God deal with you. He says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And I've learned a long time ago that God knows how to get my enemies back way more than I could get them back. So he says, don't repay evil for evil. Don't have relationships that are full of contention and full of tension and full of strife. Every relationship that you were in, why don't you look for restoration this week? Every person that's done you wrong, why don't you call them up and talk it through? I ain't saying let it go. Because that's foolishness. I'm saying actually deal with it. God didn't let our sin go. God dealt with it on the cross. It is so anti the gospel to sweep people's offense under the rug. No, no, we, we're, we're going to deal with some things. But as far as it depends on you, this is the scripture today. Live at peace with all people. Pastor B, I'm just not trying to hear all that kumbaya stuff. I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm not trying to hear that. I'm still angry. I, I want to pray like David. You know, in Psalm 58, David prayed against his enemies. He says, knock their teeth out of their mouth. Psalm 109, David prayed against his enemy. This is what he says. He says, let their children be fatherless and his wife be a widow. Let his children wander and beg. Do you know this is actually a scripture? And let them seek sustenance far from their ruined homes. And so many of us are like, God, I want to be like David. But Paul is saying today, I need you to let vengeance be the Lord's and not yours bars. If, if you want to have be, be a true mark of a Christian, you have to be a person that is striving to live at peace with all people. This is not some kumbaya stuff. Do you realize that kindness actually can lead to their repentance? Do you realize that Proverbs says a soft word turns away wrath? You know, Paul right here is quoting Proverbs 25, but when he, I want you to do research on this. When he, when he quotes Proverbs 25, verse 21 and 22, he leaves off a part. When he quotes it, he leaves off the part that says, and the Lord will reward you. He leaves off that part, I, I assume, because he doesn't want us to focus on the reward, but he wants us to focus on not retaliating. He wants us to focus on not getting people back. He, he, he's really, in Proverbs, they're, they're borrowing from this Egyptian ritual where a person would do somebody wrong and then when they found out he did them wrong or she did them wrong They would walk around with a pan of hot coal on their head many of us want our enemies to do that, but The way we do that is kindness I mean is, is that not what the scripture says? It says to the contrary if your enemy's hungry give him food if he's thirsty give him something to drink for by doing so You'll heap burning coals on his head. You'll cause him to repent After all, the way you and I got in relationship with the Lord was because of God's kindness, not scare tactics. The way you and I got into relationship with the Lord is because God showed us kindness, even though we didn't deserve it. The way you and I got in relationship with the Lord is because God looked down and saw our offense called sin and disobedience and still sent his son to a cross to die for our sins Paul talks about this in Romans chapter two, verse four, where it says the kindness of God led us to repentance. You thought that you got to repentance because of scare tactics. But in reality, you only repented because God showed you kindness when you didn't deserve it. God showed you grace when you didn't deserve it. God showed you mercy when you didn't deserve it. So God wants us to grow and looking more like Jesus. How do we do that? By showing kindness to the people that have done us wrong. And I know this is hard. I know this isn't easy. Some of you got some real deep offenses. So some of you have been burnt and you've been hurt and it's been a long time and you've held a grudge. And some of you, it's in your marriage. You just got some deep, some deep wounds that have never healed. And so instead of seeking reconciliation, instead of living at peace with all people, we'd rather give you the silent treatment. God, help our hearts. Help us today to have these true marks of a Christian, someone who loves genuinely without hypocrisy, someone who's active in our faith and someone knows, who knows how to take an offense and deal with it, but forgive somebody. Listen, God is calling us to be more today. I, I don't know who I'm talking to, but that one person that logged on and you logged on because you do this every week. You like the worship. You know, you like seeing Chris and Rob with their hats on and they seem cool while they're worshiping. And so, you know, this is just that they got cool graphics. Nah, you logged on because God wants you to forgive somebody that hurt you. You logged on because God wants you to be more active in your faith. You logged on because God wants you to love without hypocrisy. I, I want to end my time today by simply praying for you. This is not hyperbole. You actually can grow this year ways you didn't grow last year. You can grow this week in ways you didn't grow last week. God is calling us to more. God is calling you to more. He's not calling you to be a surface Christian anymore. Put on your scuba gear and go deeper because God is calling you to deeper. Father, I pray for more zeal today. I pray for that person that's just been comfortable with being passive and they've been comfortable with just saying i'm a christian but i only just log on or pre-pandemic I only just go to church i don't do much more than that So, father i pray oh god that you would help us help us to love genuinely many of us won't confess that we're hypocrites or we won't confess that we are 2 face it but we are we know how to switch up real quick on people so Father, would you forgive us? Would you help us to look more like this passage? And we realize that the way we do that is by looking at you. Father, I pray that somebody will be way more consistent this year. Our Christian life has been like a roller coaster. It's just been up and down, up and down, and up and down, and depending on what week we're in, depends on how we respond to loving people. So Father, would you help us to be more consistent? Would you help us, oh God, to be more bold? Would you help us to be more faithful? Faithful to you and pray that all the relationships around us would get the fruit of our relationship with you. They would get the overflow of our relationship with you. So Father, do a work in somebody's life today. I really, I'm not, Father, I'm I'm laboring this prayer because I I really want you to penetrate somebody's heart today. I'm not preaching to minds, I'm preaching to hearts today, Lord. Lord. Would you change someone and transform someone's behavior today? Not to be accepted by you, but because we have been accepted by you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's move into a time of worship. I'll Do me a favor. If y'all could go to the refrigerator or wherever you keep your communion, grab your communion, your, your cups. And if you got crackers and you got juice, grab it. Because I, I want to spend some time remembering what Jesus did for us on the cross. Let's worship together.